Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different starting over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Question for you. The word sensitive. Does this conjure up positive or negative associations for you? I would put my bets on it steering towards the negative. Maybe you, like me, have been on the receiving end of somebody saying, Stop being so sensitive already. Or, The world is an unfair place. You've got to toughen up. But it doesn't have to be this way. It really, really doesn't. And this episode is all about harnessing your sensitivity to become your superpower. I genuinely, genuinely believe that this is possible. And this episode today breaks down three key steps which will lead you to that very outcome. Now, our guest today on the podcast is Alyssa Boyer. She is a mentor for highly sensitive people with a passion for helping fellow HSPs, as they are often called, on how to reduce overwhelm, manage their energy, and fully embrace who they are. This is the acceptance piece, which we're going to come on to later. She's the host of the Sensitive and Soulful Show podcast and the creator of several online programs where she helps sensitive souls both in their personal lives as well as in their businesses. And in this episode, we discuss three crucial elements. I say three crucial elements. I intentionally wanted to keep this simple because I know that us sensitive people have a tendency towards overwhelm don't we? So I wanted to really keep this framed. So we go into the three crucial elements that are necessary to learn to love rather than hate your sensitivity. We also discuss practical strategies to better manage your emotions, especially those heavier ones. And finding that tricky balance between feeling your emotions, not suppressing them, but also not being consumed by them. And you know if you're sensitive that this is a difficulty that you're often presented with, right? And we also discuss running a business as a sensitive person because so many people would assume that sensitive and business do not go together. They are antonyms, the world is cutthroat, and if you're a sensitive person, you are not cut out for this. And Alyssa's story and her own experience, in fact, in her business shows you that this does not necessarily need to be the case at all. Alyssa also so openly and beautifully shares about her own experience growing up as a sensitive child in a less than sensitive household, the dynamics between parents and siblings, the ways in which she tried to toughen up as a teenager and self-abandoned effectively, the ways in which she hustled at work, but it only led her towards illness, but that ultimately it served as a wake-up call to do this inner work, to dive within and to create a new and better way of living. Now, if you know of any sensitive souls who would really benefit from hearing this episode, please do share this podcast episode with them. And if you haven't done so already, please click follow wherever you are listening to this. But with no further ado, here is my conversation with Alyssa. 
Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Starting Over podcast. I am very much looking forward to having this conversation with you. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So we are going to be speaking about sensitivity and harnessing that as our superpower, as opposed to seeing this as something we're lumped with that we've got to manage that is a handicap or a disability or something that is not a gift, essentially. And where I actually want to start is a little bit with you and your story and what it was like for you growing up. Maybe you could speak to some of the family dynamics that you had and what little Alyssa was like. Absolutely. Yeah. So growing up, I was always a really sensitive, deep feeling, emotional kid. I was very intense, very creative. I was just, I felt everything a lot. So I felt the joy very deeply and I felt the pain very deeply. Like I just always shared how I felt. And so in my family, it was my mom and dad. And then I had a younger brother and you know, my family is awesome. They're, they're so supportive. They're so awesome. I'm like literally at their house right now as they watch my daughter. I'm really grateful for them. But growing up, I definitely felt like a, a difficult child. I felt like I was a problem child. I felt like I was often at the center of family fights and disagreements. I felt like I was causing a lot of issues all of the time. And so that was something that I, I guess internalized throughout my childhood was just feeling like very difficult. And I really related like my difficulty being like my big emotions caused problems. My big feelings caused problems. I was so intense and things just never felt as easy for me as they seemed to come to other kids. Like for instance, going to like a swim lesson or something like I was terrified of getting my head wet and going underwater. Whereas other kids, like they could just do things no problem. And so I always started to just feel like, gosh, I'm so different. I'm so, so much. I'm so difficult. Like, why can't things just be easier for me? I was always worrying. I was asking my parents a lot of big questions. Like my mom kept this journal for me from the time she was pregnant with me until she, until I was about five years old. And I was like asking questions about God and stuff when I was like four or five years old. I was just always just a deep thinker and things like that. So you know, I know now later on, many years later, that I'm a highly sensitive person, which we can get into later. But, you know, growing up at that time, I just felt like being so sensitive and feeling so much was not a good thing. And and to add another layer to that, I my younger brother is definitely more of like an easygoing person. I would not say he's highly sensitive. And so I I realized after years of therapy and things like that, that I was often comparing myself to my younger brother and feeling like, again, the difficult child in comparison to him. He was so much more easygoing. He's very smart, like very book smart. So as we got older, you know, I was, I would have times where I just felt like I was falling short in comparison to him. He was easier. He was smarter. He was the better child. I kind of developed this shame around who I was because I just felt like, I'm a problem. And in addition to that, really with the comparison and just the way I felt about myself as a sensitive person, I I really started to develop low self-worth. I really started to get into this like obsession, this cycle of overachieving and trying to prove my value all of the time because deep down, I just didn't feel good enough. I felt like I had to work extra hard to get other people to like me and to feel accepted and loved because I felt like 
I was a more challenging person. And what about dynamics at school or with friends or with your peers? Mm, Yeah. So it's interesting because in school, I was always quiet and I knew exactly what I needed to do to fit in and be liked. I, I was very much a people pleaser. I would let people walk all over me. I didn't have a backbone, anything like that. And so that was really how I carried myself in school. So it's interesting because at home, it's like I would release the big emotions. I would have, you know, be so passionate and all of that, like my true vibrant self. But then at school, I was very much suppressing it because I because I felt like this this way of being was not good and that I really felt like I had to say yes to everything, be easygoing, be, you know, do whatever I could to feel liked by other people, to feel like I was accepted. But, you know, and I've had some really good friends. I absolutely did. I have friends who I'm still friends with to this day. But like when I look back at some of those school years, like it was really hard. I just, I feel sad for that version of me because I was, I would let people say things that were not nice to me. I would let people like I, you know, I had people that would come over to my house and hang out that actually didn't want to be my friend. They just wanted to hang out at our house because we had a pool table. You know, it's like I felt used and walked all over a lot, but I didn't know how to speak up for myself. And I didn't have that personal value within to even think that I was worthy of speaking up for. So I really just like was treated often in ways that that weren't that nice because of how I felt about myself. So it was, yeah, I just, I just hurt for that version of me, but I learned so much from it because I can see very clearly why I did those things. But at the time I just felt like there's something wrong with me. Why would anyone like actually want to get to know the real me? Like I am broken. I, you know, I have issues. That was always kind of the way that I felt. Were there ways that you tried to, toughen up at that time? Definitely. I mean, I, I, I remember probably I was like 16 and we were like underage drinking. Like that was something because I wanted to feel like I could fit in. And I wanted, like, I felt so much as a sensitive person, like that experience was so intense, not to mention like social anxiety and things like that. So I would absolutely do things that helped me feel like I could fit in with people and like, like kind of manage the discomfort of being so sensitive. So that was something that I did. I remember I was, yeah, probably 16. And that would be kind of a way that I would cope with my feelings, feel like I could fit in. So that was one thing. Another thing was just like the overachieving, not necessarily in high school or college. It actually really happened for me after college and as an adult, like in school for, you know, I was pretty chill about my grades, be on a roll. I didn't have to try super hard. That was fine. But it was more of when I got older, like wanting to work my way up in the corporate world, wanting to be impressive to people, wanting to show people like that I was, I don't know, that I was good enough. And so I would push myself a lot, like way more than I actually should have been in order to show people like, hey, look at all look at all that I can do. And it was, you know, again, when I look back at it, it's like I was definitely trying to do things that didn't work with my sensitive nature because I just wanted to fit in. So I I would just bypass the way that I felt. I didn't even take it into consideration because it did not have value to me. I was more concerned about how other people viewed me rather than how I felt. Yes, that's so key, what you just Mm -hmm. say. And I think so many people 
actually live their life like that. Even now, they're more concerned with, motivated by the fear of judgment oftentimes, they're more concerned with how their life looks as opposed to how they actually feel with their life and what their inner experience is of their life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I remember I was working with a with a client one time and she told me that she was so used to making decisions that were solely based on what would be less inconvenient for someone else rather than what was good for her. So it was like that external focus rather than like even considering yourself. Did you have a shift moment for you, Alyssa, where you moved to greater self-acceptance? Yeah, it was so for me it came like it it was undeniable because of the way it happened. So when I was in my early 20s, I started to de- develop severe digestive issues and it kind of started out small and then it just really grew. So there was like a year where I started noticing that like certain foods were upsetting me, upsetting my stomach, but I couldn't really pinpoint exactly what was going on. It wasn't too bad, but it was just like this kind of annoying underlying issue. And over time, it got worse and worse. It got to a point where literally there was like 20 foods I could eat without feeling like completely sick and bloated and like, you know, throwing up like it was really, really bad. And so this this happened when I was working in my first corporate job out of college. I was just like working really long, crazy hours in this intense environment, like very much trying to prove my value. I was working really, really what hard. industry? The retail industry. So I got my degree in retail merchandising and management, went into the retail industry for a corporate retailer, and it can be pretty cutthroat too. It's just like people, it's all about the numbers and the money and, and all of that. And so when our sales weren't doing well, at that workplace, it it came down on us. People like the the bosses were like hardcore, and it was very very jarring for me as a sensitive person. And so, I witnessed the people around me have a thick skin. We'd come out of meetings where we got yelled at, and just were given all of these crazy assignments of things to look into. And my coworkers were like totally fine, like laughing, and I was like just like wanted to roll into a ball. Like it was so overwhelming to me. And so, it was this this time that my digestive issues got worse. I was chronically stressed. I was literally waking up at like four in the morning to start work projects because I wanted to do it perfectly. I didn't want to make a mistake. And at this time, I had no understanding of the mind-body connection. I didn't have like really any healthy self-care things that I did. I wasn't into self-development, none of that. And so my digestive issues got worse and worse. I started seeing going to all of these different gastroenterologists and no one was really able to help me. They're like, oh, I think you're just stressed. I'm like, yeah, I'm stressed, but like something is seriously wrong. Like I can't eat and probably went another year without getting answers until I finally was so, so desperate this one day. I had to go home early from work, which just was, which was so out of character for me, but I had literally gotten sick and like had blood coming out, like not to be graphic, but like it was really bad. So I went home and I went on Yelp and I searched for a doctor who could help a holistic doctor just to try something new. And I found this doctor and I got an appointment with him like a couple of weeks later. And that was like starting my work with him set me off on a brand new journey. Like it literally when I worked with him, I started to 
see that the connection between my past and how I was feeling. That's when I made the connection with how I compared myself to my brother and how I was holding on to all of this trauma and all of this negative self-belief and how this was now manifesting into physical illness because I had never faced it. I had never thought about it. It was insane. So I worked with him probably for about seven to eight months and completely healed my gut. It was the majority of our work together was sub subconscious work. Of course, there was a good deal of it that was, you know, changing my diet and getting on supplements because I had to physically heal my gut. But I would not have healed if we didn't do that emotional work. And still to this day, I mean, I don't have any stomach issues because we truly healed it and I made those connections. And so that work with him is then what got me into what I'm doing today. It just like completely set me on a different trajectory, which was so unexpected, but so cool. Yes. I mean, wow, there really is something in this mind-body connection, isn't there? Oh my gosh. Like it was uncanny. It was unbelievable. Do you have any memories of a specific session that felt particularly healing for you and that you could draw the comparison between making an emotional connection, let's say, with something in your past, making sense of a family dynamic, and then an amelioration in your health? Yeah. So I remember one time I I came in and I I was going to see him, I think it was every week or every other week at this point. And so he would do this like muscle testing and he would kind of like see where there was stuck emotions in my body. And so I believe this stuck emotion was in my stomach. And we were just kind of like talking things through. And I had just come to his office after work, after a stressful day. And we were talking about how I was just like feeling my boss really stressed me out. I He was like such an intense person and it made me feel so like on edge and hypervigilant. And I was always trying to look over my back, trying to do everything perfect to to make sure that I I didn't upset him. And it was just such an intense experience for me. And and he, you know, we were kind of trying to uncover, like, okay, why are you so worried about doing things perfectly? Like, why are you so afraid? What are you so afraid of? And that that was the time that we made the connection to my comparison to my younger brother, where I felt like I was always difficult. I felt like I was always not smart enough. And so interestingly enough, the work that I was doing in my career was very much like numbers focused, like by the book, like, oh, if you know how to do this, you're smart. And that's what my brother is really smart at. So it was almost like me going into this career, trying to prove myself, trying to make everyone happy and comfortable was almost my way of trying to like kind of show that to my old version of myself to say, see, I'm smart. See, I'm good enough. It was fascinating to me how I had unconsciously set up my life to kind of prove that to my younger self. It was crazy. And so that was just one one example, but that through line has shown up in my life in many many ways. Where I'm just comparing myself, whether it's comparing you know comparing the um, the the how smart he is or comparing how easygoing he is. I still have noticed how those patterns can show up in different ways, and it really manifests the same in that like me trying to overdo it, overachieve to prove my value. And that, that was making me sick. Like that was a major thing making me sick because no matter what I did, it was never enough because I was trying to 
fill a void within when really that void could only be filled by me accepting myself as I was rather than trying to, you know, appease everyone else and be somebody that I wasn't. So it was, it was unbelievable for me. Yeah, absolutely. And this often, I mean, I hear this story time and again, and it is the gift of difficulty, the gift of suffering that we don't see at that moment in time, because it is challenging to experience these heavy emotions and difficult situations but actually they can be a key to the liberation we're seeking you know it makes me think of a favorite quote of mine from Carl Jung and it's until you make the conscious conscious it will shape your life and you'll call it fate Mm -hmm. and that's what it is you know you don't it's really as you mentioned the subconscious work what you're not aware of what are the ways in which you've automatized these behaviors or that you live live out your life without actually really knowing what is fueling those decisions mhm oh my gosh yeah and once you i always say it's like you can't unknow it like when you make these connections you like can't unknow it it's like oh my gosh it like it changes something in you, which is, and having that self-awareness is so powerful. And it's like, wow, then you can just see the way the rest of your life is shaped. And you can also begin to understand why certain things trigger you, why you go into these patterns. It unlocks such a new way of experiencing life that once you, I mean, I think that's why a lot of people get into personal development because they start learning these things and it's like, you're kidding. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. It's so, yeah. And that was my experience. Yeah, I completely agree. And you're on it there with saying you can't unknow it. I remember when I first started on this journey myself, this journey of the inner work, self-awareness, and I kept on coming across the idea that awareness was everything or that if you brought something to your awareness, that would be a major first step and potentially even the vast majority of the work that you've got to do. And I always doubted it because I was like, well, how, how is that even a thing? But actually then in practice, when it has come through kind of healing sessions or, you know, retreats or therapy or whatever, it actually has come up as this light bulb moment that leads you on a different path. There really is some special power in it. And that's why I love what I do and what we share here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's powerful. It's so powerful. It's like having the awareness and then, and then choosing how you move forward with that knowledge as well and not being like, oh, this is just the way that I am, but rather seeing it as like, wow, okay, that's really interesting. Now, what do I want to do moving forward now that I know this about myself? That distinction makes a huge difference. Yeah. And now, Alyssa, with your work, so you've gone there from your own healing journey, awakening even, Mm self-acceptance, And now you work to help other people, other highly sensitive people to own their sensitivity as opposed to rejecting it, let's say, or coming from a place of something I need to fix in myself rather than something I need to accept and use as a sense of empowerment. Mm -hmm. What got you into this work? So my my experience of the digestive issues and then meeting my holistic doctor, that was really what started me out on that this path. It was not like a part of the plan. It just really happened so divinely. So I I continued working with my holistic doctor for like about two years, probably. Like I healed my gut, but I almost went to him for like, you know, not a therapy 
session, but like just his support was so unbelievable for me. And so through my work with him, I was just learning so much and my view on life was changing. I also had started to then, of course, get into self-help books and personal development. And it was at that time my mom had found this book called The Highly Sensitive Person written by Dr. Elaine Aaron. And she told me about this book and she's like, Alyssa, I think this describes you. You should read it. And so I read about the read about being a highly sensitive person, how this is like actually a trait that impacts about 20% of the population. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you if you're more sensitive. Like some people are just more sensitively wired. So I learned about this. I was learning about the power of meditation and subconscious beliefs, but it was blowing my mind. And so I just started to blog on the side of my full-time job. I've always been a very creative person. As a kid, I would write little books I almost went to school for writing. And then I was like, what am I going to do with a writing degree? So I went or an English degree. And so I went into retail instead. But I just had this urge to reconnect with my creativity. And so just started blogging. I just wanted to share and help people. I started a little Instagram account and it just kind of blossomed like naturally. Like I was very committed to my blog. I posted two times per week, no matter what. Like I didn't have anyone really reading it, but I was just really, it just like filled me up and I was obsessed with doing it. I would wake up at like five in the morning. And then over time, I, I really started to notice the theme that when I talked about high sensitivity and being really empathetic and people pleasing and all of these topics, people really resonated with it. And That was actually very healing for me because I saw that like I was not alone in this experience, that there was so many other people who felt the same. And so I just really started focusing on that and started to really see the through lines in in other highly sensitive people's experience. Like they had very similar stories to me. A lot of people had a chronic illness, like all sorts of stuff that was just so crazy. And so I recognized that through my experience, I could then actually help them. And so that burst over time, different programs, mentorship, like all of the things that I do now, uh, you know, it led to me quitting my full-time job and and doing this now as my career. So how has it felt to, as a comparison between the corporate work that you were describing before versus what you're doing now? I mean, this work just energizes me. Like I... (laughs) Like I remember after giving birth to my daughter and then being so exhausted, yet when I would do any of my work, like when I could find time for it, it's always fueled me. It always just like energized me. Like I could wake up and before I had her, I could wake up so early in the morning because I just was like so passionate and inspired versus in the corporate world doing something that I didn't love or care about that much felt like it was energy draining a lot of times. It was like, oh, I just have to do this, but I didn't have that that passion for it. And, you know, I'm a practical person. So I resisted for a very long time, the idea of making money from your passion. Like I literally was like, Oh, I'll just blog on the side. I'm not going to try to like, you know, make a business out of this. I very much resisted it. I did not go into it thinking I would do that. It just, again, kind of eventually evolved to, to getting to that place. But Yeah, the difference was just like, wow, this is a soul calling versus this is something I'm doing to, you know, bring in money. So it was just a different feeling in my body. And I've found, again, when talking with a lot of highly sensitive people is a lot of 
HSPs is another term for it. Um, a lot of HSPs have this this desire as well to have to do things each day that are more like nourishing for the soul rather than just like trying to check a box. Like we need a lot of us really crave that depth in our daily life. I totally put myself in that camp too of wanting to have something that fuels your soul that feels like a calling that energizes you rather than drains you but to come back to the core of what we want to go into on this podcast about really harnessing this sensitivity as a superpower and finding more emotional balance I want to break down a list of like three key elements here that would really help the listeners to see the transformation in their own life as well. So one of the first things that you think is really crucial, and I hear it even with your own stories you've shared, is the importance of self-acceptance or even radical self-acceptance. Can you elaborate on this? Yes. So self-acceptance, just unapologetically embracing who you are, like however you want to say it, is essential. It's essential because I hear from highly sensitive people all of the time. They'll come to me and they'll say, I feel so misunderstood. I feel so different. How do I get people to understand me? I hear things like this. I also hear them just so worried about what other people think about them. They're constantly like second guessing everything they say. And To me, what I see here beneath the surface is them not accepting themselves and being so concerned about what everyone else thinks of them, what everyone else is, you know, potentially going to judge them, things like that. And so I have found that when you accept yourself unapologetically, when you're like, hey, this is me, take it or leave it, it gives you so much power in your life. It makes you less concerned about what other people may or may not be thinking of you or if they think that your needs are quote unquote too much, like when you accept yourself, you don't feel like you have to tiptoe around or like you're a burden. Because what I've really seen manifest for people is they won't speak up for what they need. They'll feel like they're being annoying. And so they end up in these friendships and relationships where they are like carrying the emotional burden. They're the friend that everyone unloads all of their problems onto, but no one listens to them. No one is holding space for them. Um, maybe they're often the person in the workplace who is like getting all of these projects handed on, handed to them and they're never saying no. They're never like speaking up for themselves because they, you know, it's again, it's wanting that acceptance. It's wanting that safety, which is, of course, a very natural, normal human need. But when we are externally focused and doing whatever we can and abandoning ourselves and our needs in order to be accepted, it's just on shaky ground. That's how we burn out. That's why a lot of highly sensitive people develop chronic illness like I had because they are trying to fuel their acceptance from from external factors. And so, yeah, I found that like learning to accept yourself, like the work that I've I've done in my own life was is essential for us. It's just having that solid base within. Um, So a story that I could share with this that was really, really powerful for me was I met my husband, my now husband, right around the time when I started healing my digestive issues. And going into our relationship, I was really, really insecure because I'd had unhealthy past relationships because I hadn't felt good about myself. So I chose crappy partners who didn't treat me well. And it just was like a really, really toxic environment. And so I met my husband, who is just a great guy. And I was like constantly on edge, like thinking like, oh, is he going to 
dump me. He's going to see that I'm not that great. He's going to see through me. And so I was like super anxious, hyper vigilant, constantly like waiting for something to go wrong and definitely could have sabotaged our relationship if I hadn't made a change. Thankfully, I was doing the healing work at that time and started to make these connections. And a huge thing was just me accepting myself and accepting that like, yeah, I'm a more sensitive person. That means I have to go to bed earlier. That means that, you know, I have specific needs that other people don't need. And when I accept that about myself and when I move in my life with that energy of self-acceptance, it like it impacts other people. It allows me to set healthy boundaries, which then give, you know, I get better treatment. I feel like more reciprocal energy in my relationships. And so thankfully I did that. And, you know, my husband and I are together today and it's all, it's great. But I think if I hadn't accepted myself, like we, we can fall into behaviors that are really not great and self-sabotage and get in our own way. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people listening will be able to resonate with that for sure. And I think another byproduct of this, of the self-acceptance, notwithstanding how how much more peaceful that's going to feel internally, but other people will witness that change in you as well. And all of a sudden the boundaries almost become easier to place and easier to maintain, I find, because people will challenge them less. When you're approaching it from a place that you're grounded and rooted in your strength, your strength from owning your authenticity and how you actually are, people will not take advantage of you in the same way as they did before. When you're operating from a place of shame and fear as opposed to love and acceptance. That's such an important distinction. It's so, so true. And like, that's when, when people ask me, like, how do I explain being highly sensitive to people in my life? How do I get them to understand me? It's always like, how do I get them? How do I make them understand me? And I'm like, actually, you need to embrace and accept this within yourself. And you will move through life with that energy, that grounded, sturdy, this is me, take it or leave it kind of vibe. And people are like, okay, cool. Like they're actually not going to sit and challenge you. So, and people are like, it's not that easy. No, it's not easy, but that's, that's the way through. So I completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that that comes up as a common question though, like how, or how can I get other people to understand me? And it really reflects that deeper fear of being misunderstood. Majorly. Not being considered, not being valued. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of pain there I've, I've found for sure feeling alone and different. It can be so hard. Yeah. Do you think that through this self-acceptance that emotional stability would be a byproduct of that? I do think or greater so. greater emotional stability? Yes, because, because what I have found is that when we deny who we are and we kind of try to suppress it and, and shut it away, you know, it become we become ashamed of it. We feel like this is a bad part of ourselves. And so when you're experiencing life from that place, then when emotions do arise, because of course they will, we're human, you're more likely to be like, oh my gosh, this is so inconvenient. How could I be having this reaction? What's wrong with me? Oh my gosh, I'm such a disaster. So it's like, we're not, we're less likely to handle it in a healthy way if we're not embracing and accepting who we are, because we're like, no, this is bad and wrong. We must shove it down. But, you know, what we know about emotions is actually they they arise for a reason. They're here to be felt. And so I have found and experienced that my knowledge of being highly sensitive and accepting this about myself 
it helps me to be more aware and more compassionate with myself when when big feelings come up because I can just notice that it's there. Okay, I notice I'm feeling this way. I'm going to love myself through it. I'm also more aware of my triggers and things that can be potentially upsetting for me. And so I'm just kind of like have that awareness about it. You know, becoming a mom was a huge thing for me where there was just I I anticipated because I know I'm highly sensitive. I anticipated that this transition would probably impact me in a heavier way than it might for less sensitive people. And I don't know, I, I, I feel like that was true. And so I tried to have things to set myself up ahead of time, like having a postpartum doula, getting a postpartum therapist shortly after really like leaning on support and setting myself up ahead of time so that I could be held and cared for. And that I could, as much as I could create space, you know, to feel however I felt and be in survival mode as infrequently as possible. So I think having that awareness and acceptance allows you to then know how to set up your life and take better care of yourself and move through challenges with a bit more compassion and grace. Yeah, beautiful. The compassion and grace I see as being so important because I think a lot of people who perhaps see this trait in themselves and are still at the place where they don't love it, or at least they can love and accept the parts of it that are seen as being good, like sensitivity being a beautiful bridge to greater, deeper, more fulfilling relationships. There's a lot of beauty that comes with it, but people wanting to reject the other side, the heavy emotions, the feeling like, why can't I just, I've had somebody say this to me recently at a retreat, like I'm frustrated that I want to feel like I have everything together. And then all of a sudden someone says something at work and I feel myself tearing up and I'm just so Mm -hmm. frustrated. Why can't I just, why can't I just be strong? I just feel so weak in comparison to other people. And I hate this part of myself, you know, and really seeing it as a key to like weakness yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just feel that so much. And it's like, I, I want and anyone who feels that way to be able to reframe it as like, this is a beautiful way to be. It's beautiful to feel things deeply. Yes, it can be harder sometimes, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have to equal weakness. And I think that a huge reason that a lot of sensitive people feel like their emotions are a weakness or just their sensitivity is, is because in society, we don't necessarily see this being celebrated. We're it's glorified to toughen up, toughen up. It's glorified to like push through and work hard and blah, blah, blah. But I think that if we did see more examples of and just normalizing the human experience and, and having these feelings come up, I think that would help people see like, oh, maybe other people are are suppressing their emotions, you know, more than I am. But like that doesn't, I wouldn't say that's a strength, you know, to not feel like I'd rather feel it all because also you can feel the joy more intensely. You can feel the excitement, the creativity. You can have deeper connections with people. Like there's, you know, the challenging and the the beauty to eat to it. Like there's always two sides to everything. So, but yeah, so I think it's like the acceptance piece really can play a part in that. Be- like sometimes I, I kind of like to approach life in a lighthearted way. A lot of times that's just like my way where it's just like I can at this point kind of laugh it off and be like oh of course I would cry at that like that's just me you know not like oh my god what's wrong with you it's like I'm sensitive like yeah I cry easily like it is what it is and and a lot of people could probably then put release you know take down the mask themselves and say hey me too we just often think we're the only ones because it's not talked about and I want it to be talked about more I want people to know that they're not alone yeah 
I think one way of really knowing whether you have made progress on the part of accepting yourself, and I've certainly witnessed this in, in my own case, is if somebody makes a comment with love, so I'm not talking about somebody being manipulative or toxic or anything, which is another story, but very, very important in this context too. But, but let's say my husband says something like, um, what would he say? You're like, oh, you know, you're crying about that or that again, or some other comment about crying very easily. You're breaking down. And like you're saying, being able to treat that lightly and be like, oh yeah, of course, as opposed to being triggered. And, and even if you don't say anything, that whole dialogue and that storm that's going on internally and bringing up that, oh, I'm unworthy because of this. Oh, that is a weakness in me. Oh, that is something I need to get rid of. And I know that that comes up for a lot of people who have those sensitive tendencies. It's like that you won't say anything, but but internally you are so rejecting the experience and rejecting and abandoning yourself in that process. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. It, it's so, so true. That distinction is so important because there really is that difference. And that's when you can recognize that it is integrated and it's a part of you because it just, it doesn't have that sting that it used to because you just, you're like, yeah, that's me. It's like, it's like, yeah, my hair is blonde. You know, it's just like, it's basically like, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to disagree. Yep. I'm crying again. <laughs> And it's not yep, a shameful that's a thing fact. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. Happened. Yeah, exactly. It's very yeah. neutral, I would say. Second point for you, say that we could work on expanding our distress tolerance mm-hmm. and cope with big feelings in a healthy way. Such a key point, because as we've said already so far, like this is the point where so many people do self-abandon and self-reject and self-loathe even because the heavy emotions just feel so overwhelming. What would you say to these points? Yeah, this is like one of my favorite things is just talking about expanding our tolerance for stress because the truth is life is stressful. Things are going to happen. We're going to be thrown into the middle of chaotic situations. We're going to be in overwhelming environments where people are loud and obnoxious and A lot of highly sensitive people can feel like, oh, I'm too sensitive to cope in the world. Oh, I'm too sensitive to deal with this. And so we actually, that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy where we're like, okay, I can't handle that. So then we stay home. We avoid, we don't do things that are challenging because we don't trust in our ability to cope with it. And so it's really important for us because as sensitive people, we have nervous systems that are more sensitive. So like the fact that things feel can feel really overwhelming to us is true. Like we can get dysregulated more easily. Loud sensory stimulation, like loud noises or bright a bright light with fluorescent like fluorescent lights in a room, whatever. Like these can literally be overstimulating to highly sensitive people. So if we want to be able to go out in the world, live our life, you know, engage with other people, things like that, we have to learn how to expand the tolerance of our nervous system bring ourselves to a regulated state so that we can manage these situations as best as we can without feeling completely overwhelmed and like drained. So that's just something that I, that's a part of everything I do with HSPs. Like every single program I have has nervous system regulation tools. I'm a huge fan of emotional freedom technique, tapping, um, using like cold therapy. I love meditation, 
daily movement, things like that. Like this is something I integrate into the work that I do with HSPs because it's really important. I like to think of, it's like, I tell them like, okay, if we're expanding our world, you know, we're, let's say you're putting out, you're starting a new business, you're putting yourself out into the world and you're scared of the judgment. You're going to have to like up the self-regulating practices. You're going to have to increase the self-care that you're doing in order to kind of show yourself that it's safe to be in these different environments and show yourself basically that I can survive this. Um, This also goes with like setting boundaries for the first time or asserting your needs for the first time. Like we have to couple this with things that can regulate ourselves so that we can expand our ability to manage all of this because that's just one thing. And and I know that like there's some people who will come to my Instagram page and I won't be for them because my message is really about like, go out, live your life. Like you're not too sensitive. And some people want to not do that. They want a reason to not go after their dreams because it's scary and overwhelming. And that's okay, but I'm not the person for them because I want you to go do things. And I think it's healthy for us to, and important for us to know how to manage the stress and not let it completely take us down. So that's really, yeah. I get fired up on that. Yeah. No, it's, I, I hear it and I love it too. I love it too, because otherwise you're just seeing this as a, like you said before, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you're putting a cage around yourself. You're holding yourself back. You're limiting yourself from your full potential and the life that you actually want to lead because you have a fixed belief that you are this way and there's nothing you can do about it. As opposed to just what you said that use this stress or increased discomfort as a reason to up your self-care or self-regulation practices you know you can mitigate that you don't need to keep playing small love it and on that note I do want to break down some practical strategies here that people could implement into you know a daily routine or something that's really tangible here for people to take away definitely yeah so I I like to make things as simple as possible. I know a lot of people have busy lives. So I'll just share some different things that I have found really helpful in my journey and maybe it will resonate and be supportive for others. So for me, I have found that a regular meditation practice has just been so helpful for me that I first got into meditation when I was having my digestive issues and I was recognizing how stress was impacting my body, my physical health so much. So I was like, I just want to feel better. So I started with meditation every day. And what I noticed over time, like it wasn't immediate, but over time, I noticed how there was kind of a space between the initial thought that I had and like me actually accepting it. Because in the past, if I had a thought, I believed it. So it was like, oh, you you suck at this. Oh, you're not good at this. Oh, somebody, they think you're weird or you messed up, whatever. Like I would just believe these critical thoughts. But through daily meditation, I noticed that I could have that thought and then I could have the space from it and be like, that's not true. Or, you know, it was just really interesting and I felt less reactionary. So that was something that was huge was just like really was such a calming practice for me. Another thing that I love, like I mentioned, was emotional freedom technique, EFT tapping. It's yeah, it's basically a technique where you're there's these different acupressure points on your um, face and head, upper body, I guess I should say, where you're tapping and you're reciting different phrases. Basically, if you want, you can, there's tons of free videos that can walk you through a practice there. They can be as short as three or five minutes or as long as like 10 or 15 minutes. 
Um, but you can really like, if you're struggling with something specific, like let's say rejection, like somebody rejected you and you're feeling really triggered, you could literally Google EFT tapping for rejection and find a script that you can walk through and tap on these different points on your body. And you will most likely, I can honestly say, feel some sort of relief and release afterwards where it feels like it's charging this from your body and helping you become more neutral toward it. Um, I'm also, I just love having grounding practices, especially as a busy mom, because my self, my routines right at this moment are not as robust as I would love them to be. So sometimes just like coming back into my body is the best thing that I can do for myself. So this might look like if I'm washing the dishes, just like being mindful of my feet on the ground, really feeling them, my feet firmly planted on the ground and feeling the water on my hands as while I'm washing the dishes, like really trying to be present and mindful to the experience and making that kind of a meditative practice. It sounds simple, but if you actually commit to doing that, it, you can notice a shift within yourself. That's huge. Another thing that I do too is just checking in. Where am I at? How am I feeling? What do I need in this moment? Sometimes as highly sensitive people, we're just so overstimulated by the sensory things going on in our environment. And maybe all you need to feel better is to get your hair out of your face and put it in a ponytail or, you know, tidy up the kitchen counter or put on comfier clothes. A lot of times we don't actually realize how dysregulating and overstimulating these things can be. So when you make it a practice to check in with yourself and kind of like scan, like how am I feeling and is what's bothering me? You can often make a micro adjustment that literally makes such a huge difference. So these are just simple things that I do. And the simple things really add up. You know, the they basics do. are really everything as long as they're practiced consistently. And the thing is, we're all looking for a special magical formula, but actually the secret of success lies in what we do with consistency. Amen. Always. You know, a question that comes up, it's one that comes up with me and my friends a lot is, so actually what I will say is there was a podcast episode that really touched me recently. Somebody shared about the top regrets of the dying. Her name is Bronnie Ware. She's an Australian author. And one of them was, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings more express my emotions more I thought that that's really interesting that that came up as a common regret of the dying and I thought I don't think sensitive people are going to say that so much so maybe that is a gift of of sensitivity because we are we are in tune with our emotions we do express our emotions and have really a lot more uh, perhaps freedom than others have we're less blocked in that so that's a positive mm. but the question herein is that where it can tip over into the overwhelm and the over everything is when those emotions consume us. So I guess the question is really, how do you think people could allow themselves to have more emotional balance, be more at ease with their emotions without feeling completely absorbed in them? Mm, yes, such a good question. Something I have found is in my own journey and now that I share with HSPs is that when we're feeling consumed by our emotions, when things feel like a lot, I found that actually often the best thing to do is first regulate our system and get ourselves as much as possible feeling safe in our bodies 
because we can just get caught up in the sensations and feeling like overtaken by them. And oh my gosh, this is so much and so much. And we spiral and ruminate and it becomes worse. And so I've found in my experience that it's really important to have something that can help you return, you know, to a state of feeling more safe in your body. A lot of times, like if I'm at that like 10 out of 10 emotional, like, oh my gosh, this is too much. Something that I love to do is take an ice pack and put it on my chest. It can literally be so calming and just do something that can help me return to my body. And then I find that it's important to then create the space to feel whatever's coming up to kind of feel the sensation and not jump right into, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And going into the entire story of where's this coming from? Why is this happening? Because that's where we want to go. We want to intellectualize it. We want to make it go away. But I found that when we can actually just like create some space for ourselves to feel it, let it move through us, like give, you know, give ourselves that space to do it, then it, you know, it can leave our bodies and then we can have more grounded awareness as to, oh, what triggered this? Where was this coming from? But I think it's important to take a step back if possible so that we don't get caught up in, you know, in the height of it and and spiral because I've been there so, so many times and we have to regulate first um, as much as possible. And sometimes, you know, if you're in a place like you might need to step away, you might need to go to the restroom, you might need to excuse yourself and that's okay. That's important to do. I love that. My takeaway with a whole lot of alliteration in this sentence is make space for the sensation, not spiral in the story. Mm, Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly. Yeah. And the third point that you think is very important in this topic is what you call living in alignment with our true nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this became clear to me as I went on my own journey of like starting my business and getting starting blogging and all of that. I believe that one reason why I was often feeling a lot of anxiety, why I had the chronic digestive issues and just was like not feeling good enough is because I was a lot of it. I was living out of alignment. So I was trying to make everyone else around me happy. I was trying to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't. I was trying to work in a career that just wasn't meant for me. Like I just, it just, my soul was like, no, you need to be doing something else. And I think one of the gifts of being highly sensitive is that we are so often so in tune with ourselves and we can't ignore our bodies are loud and sometimes we'll get sick or have different physical sensations that are telling us that we're out of alignment. And so that's what happened for me. And so it's essential that we have things in practice that help us to be more congruent in our lives so that we are as much as we can living in alignment. Obviously, there's going to be things in our lives that we don't love to do. That's okay. That's normal. It's part of being human. But basically, it's like, are you being true to you? Are you expressing yourself enough? Or are you trying to just make everyone happy? Are you spending too much time every doing every day doing something you absolutely hate? You know, just like starting to ask these questions, like, am I living most of my life for other people or am I living most of my life for what feels good and true for me? Again, it can't be a perfect 10 out of 10. I mean, we'd love that. But like if most of it you can say is in alignment with you, that's important because, again, as sensitive people, our bodies are going to let us know if we're not, and we can't ignore it. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's our soul's calling. That's like 
giving us direction, but we have to be willing and also be courageous enough to, to follow that calling. Mm -hmm. And the world needs more sensitivity and more compassion. And I think the more that sensitive people can really step into their authentic self and embrace that part. I mean, that, that would be a really powerful shift. Yeah. That's literally my mission is like, I want, I just believe that we need more sensitive voices out there. We need more examples of sensitivity being a beautiful thing because think of all of the children that can grow up in a world where they see this model, like how that would change adults and change the way that we treat each other and things like that. And so it's like, my mission is like, how can I help highly sensitive people feel good in their skin, feel self-acceptance so that they can go out and do good in the world, whether it's through, you know, being a good parent or through their job or maybe through starting their own business or or whatever that looks like, but just like making being leaders in their own lives and making that positive ripple effect. Like, I just think that's what we need. Amen. You got it. <laughs> well done. It's a great mission. Keep keep shining your light, doing your thing. But on that note, I want to ask you a little bit about business because a lot of people would assume that sensitive and business are just antonyms. Like they do not mm-hmm. go together. So, and here you are saying you can be sensitive and do business well. Mm-hmm. And it's something you also have a mastermind on. I do. I do. Yeah. I I love supporting highly sensitive people in business. It was one of those things, again, that randomly, divinely, I was led to. I got so many questions about it. I'm like, okay, clearly I've got something to say. So sensitivity is honestly can be such an asset in business. Thinking like if you think about it, a lot of business is about connecting with people in, a, in an authentic way. And we are so bombarded with inauthentic marketing and people out there where it just feels creepy, disingenuous. It just doesn't feel good. And so as a sensitive person, like one of our superpowers is literally being able to connect deeply with people, being so empathetic and being able to understand their needs and how we can support them. And so we can actually leverage these, these parts of us that are innate and use that as a strength in business, as a way to cultivate a strong community of people and create things that people really genuinely desire because we can actually make those connections rather than, you know, just coming at it from from a place of just, oh, I need to make money or whatever. It's like highly sensitive people tend to be very heart-centered and passionate. And so people can feel that we all are craving more realness. So something I love to, to teach HSPs is how they can use that as a strength in their business. And another thing that's really important to me is is again, just the simplicity piece. Like as HSPs, we can get overwhelmed more easily. And I think a lot of highly sensitive people out there, they want to do their own thing. They want to start their own business, but then they get overwhelmed by the complicated strategies or all of the differing opinions, or you should do it this way, or you need to personally DM all of these people and it doesn't feel good for them. So I like to teach them ways to do do business in a way that actually feels in alignment. That doesn't feel weird. That doesn't feel overwhelming. Just simple, heart-centered practices. So that's really, I mean, it's just been so fun and so fulfilling because it's, I've been able to then see people with an important mission, like actually put that out there. Because a lot of sensitive mm-hmm. people will tell me, I'm afraid to 
put my message out there and have someone judge me. I'm afraid of what people will think, or I'm afraid of what people will think if I charge money. And so we work through all of that stuff because again, it's like going back to what we were saying, like we need more sensitive people doing good in the world. We can do good with them sharing their message, them helping others with something that is so near and dear to them. Absolutely. And just to note on this, I think something that would come up a lot for sensitive people as they're going about setting up a business, for example, or operating a business, that the triggers will come up, the overwhelm will come up, and it would be so very tempting to interpret that trigger as a reason why you're just not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could reinforce those doubts around the sensitivity and business going together. What would you say to that? So to that, I always like to be so transparent and share the the struggles that I've had and say, like, share the times where I've had people literally write me the meanest comments, the meanest emails. I've had times where I've been overwhelmed and been like, oh my gosh, screw this. Like I, So I share that so transparently in all of my programs and sometimes on my Instagram as well, just to normalize it and to be an example and say, hey, this happens to me. And what I share with with people, really, it's, to me, it's as simple as this. It's, to me, the pain of not doing it is greater than the pain of doing it and having to be overwhelmed sometimes. I just always, like, I simply say, I don't want to get to the end of my life and wonder what if because I was overwhelmed or I didn't want to be judged. So I, I share, like, these things come up and here's how I work through it. I have a process for working through triggers. I have my EFT tapping, my meditation. Also, sometimes that looks like giving myself the weekend off of Instagram or whatever I need to do to protect my energy and to to recalibrate. But I'm very transparent about that. And and also too, like something I say is just like if you if you walk this path of of starting your own business, of going after your passions, like it's some of the greatest self-development work that you'll do. So basically being triggered is like a promise and it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It's just par for the course. It's just what happens and it's not for everyone and that's okay. But if you want to choose this path, know that it'll come up and see it as an opportunity to grow rather than something to hold you back. Yeah, that's an important mindset shift and something that could lead to true transformation. Going back to exactly what you're saying about feel the sensation and don't get swept away with the story. Mm -hmm. And you realize actually how quickly it does pass through you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, are we going to keep going or not? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) I'm going to move into the final fast few questions now, Alyssa. And the first thing I wanted to ask is, is there something that you used to believe that you no longer believe? Hmm. Yeah, I guess I just used to believe that in order to be a powerful person, you had to be the loudest, most outgoing person in the room. And I've now come to believe that that's not always the truth at all. I'm a huge believer in quiet confidence. And I've seen beautiful examples of people who are just just have that energy about them that demands respect and and attention without them having to say a whole lot sometimes. I love that. Second, what uh, top three books you'd recommend for highly mm. sensitive people? Oh, okay. So the book, The Highly Sensitive Person by Dr. Elaine Aaron, that's like, I call it like the Bible for HSPs. It just is a great introduction to the topic and to to gain an understanding about yourself. 
Another book that I love that was life-changing for me was the book Quiet by Susan Cain. Um, it's about the power of being an introvert. And not all HSPs are introverts. I believe it's like 80% of HSPs. I could 70 or 80, I forget. So the majority are. That's a beautiful book about accepting yourself. Um, and the other book I would recommend is kind of random, but I love it. And it's a very, it's so good. So it's called Let It Be Easy by Susie Moore. And I recommend that because it's like, it's these bite-sized little examples of how you can create more ease and simplicity in your life. And I think for sensitive people, learning how to do that is key because our minds want to overcomplicate and catastrophize and make everything a big deal. And I've found a ton of peace from really having that be a mantra. How can I make this easier? How can I how can this be simpler? So that would be a book I'd recommend. Love that. And last, what is a closing message that you want to share with our sensitive listeners who are on this healing journey? I just want to share that you were created perfectly. There's no, If you're resonating with this, if you're listening to this and you've always felt like you're too sensitive, your needs are too much, you're too dramatic, like I hope that something that you take away from this conversation is that you're not too much. You're not too sensitive. You were created this way for a reason. You have a special purpose here on this earth. And honestly, like doing the work to truly accept yourself will help you feel unstoppable. A beautiful note to fi finish on. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you for being so open and honest about your own difficulties and your own journey. I think I think a lot of people will find themselves in your story and find a lot of solace and comfort in knowing that they aren't alone in this and this isn't a reason to feel less than in any way. And in fact, there really is a profound opportunity here to embrace your sensitivity as a superpower and something that the world is in desperate need of as well. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. And thank you to all of you listening. I hope you found this episode inspiring, helpful, and thought-provoking. And just a final word from me, high praise to you all for continuously choosing healing, self-awareness, and growth. I totally believe in your ability to make change, surmount challenges, and build a life worth dreaming about. <laughs>